we will talk Suns Nuggets with our Suns Insider from ArizonaSports.com. You can read all of his stuff there. And preparation for Game 3 tomorrow night. Kellen Olsen joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. KO, good morning, sir. Morning, guys. Uh, lots of uh, you know pieces that could be moved around by Monty Williams. He talked about Terrence Ross and T.J. Warren maybe getting some run. Do you think that run could be in the starting lineup for either one of those players, or do you think it's a foregone conclusion that campaign steps in for Chris Paul? I, I definitely don't think it's a foregone conclusion that campaign steps to the starting lineup. I think it's it's like maybe what makes the most sense, but what I think the Suns have to do is be aggressive with this move. Whoever comes into the starting lineup, I think it has to be a move that pressures the Nuggets and makes them think about the Suns a little bit differently. The only reason that I would be against campaign coming into the starting lineup is because the Nuggets outside of the pace and semi-transition and transition that Payne is going to bring are pretty much going to be able to play the same way. They're going to target Payne defensively in the same way that they did Chris Paul. And then as far as the coverage against him, Jokic is going to drop back like he did against Chris Paul. And they're going to dare campaign to shoot jumpers. They're going to try and protect him at the rim. That's why I more advocate for a move of Damian Lee or Terrence Ross. If I had to pick any guy right now, I think it would be Damian Lee after the way that he played in game two. I know that he didn't make a shot, but I thought that he did very well defensively. He picked up a couple of key offensive rebounds. I thought that he played well overall. I think what they can do is more of a conservative move. I don't think it can be Torrey Craig. I don't think that it can be Landry Shamit alongside Josh Okoge and the three other guys. I think that it needs to be a more aggressive move to get Denver to change the way they're thinking about guarding them and, and change the way they're thinking about the series as a whole. That's a good point. Uh, how close do you think the Suns are to, to being in this series? When you look at the reaction versus overreaction, where do you fall? Because there's an argument to be made that, and, and I think you made it, that if Kevin Durant has a KD-type game, it's 1-1 and nobody's really tripping about anything. Yeah, exactly. And the way Kevin Zerman and I talked about on the Empire of the Suns podcast later that night was that if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, I think we would have picked the Suns to still win in six, regardless of if the Suns won that game or not. Because you look at stylistically, schematically, everything that they changed and how effective effective it was in game two, I give Monty Williams and his staff a ton of credit because how they were able to rejuvenate the offense and just get back to their point five stuff to generate not only just threes, but good ball movement that got Denver's uh, defense and rotations, got them shifting around. And you look at the way that they were able to contain Jamal Murray, how much better Josh Okoge did in that department, and how much better the team overall looks defensively. Nikola Jokic was outstanding, but that was more or less by design. The Suns were inviting him to you, you guys saw those positions in the first quarter where Jokic it just felt like he had the ball forever. That's because usually he gets doubled by then and kicks it, but the Suns were not doubling. They're like, no, go ahead, big man. Take, take your 40 or 50 tonight, and we'll try and contain everything else. And they did. The Nuggets only scored 97 points. So I thought a lot of things worked there. And the way that I wrote about it on ArizonaSports.com yesterday is I think that the pressure is now on Denver. And we've just never seen them in this position before. Now, this is not me saying that I don't believe that they can handle the pressure, but but I'm just saying they've never been sort of in this position where they're the substantial favorites, and they're also the favorites to come out of the Western Conference. I think their finals out, I was looking at this morning, they started at plus 1,100 to win the whole thing coming into the playoffs. They're now plus 310. They're minus 490 to win the series as a whole. We knew it was a coin flip coming in. That is not the case anymore. 
according to Vegas. And this is what their whole thing with Jokic and Murray has been building up to. They made all of these moves to be a contender, to be in a position to win the West. I think everyone will agree, and, and it's giving them the respect and the attention that they've been more or less clamoring for over the last two or three years. So you look at the pressure that's on them and the pressure on the Suns is obviously on Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. We know those two guys are ready for it. I know Suns fans are upset to some extent that Kevin Durant has played at the level that he's been at, but he's been in this position before. He was down 0-2 in the 2012 Western Conference Finals against San Antonio. After dropping the first two in San Antonio, OKC went on to win the next four. In Game 4, he scored 14 points over four minutes in the fourth quarter to really get that thing to 2-2 and get it to Game 5 split. So I, I think that they can really put the Nuggets in the compromising position and get them thinking a bit if they take Game 3. The Game 3 really matters for a whole lot of different reasons, but I think that's the main one is get them get them the, t- the taste of their own blood, if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Kellen Olsen, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, and I heard you on with uh, Wolf and Luke the other day talking about Kevin Durant, and yeah, yeah, Aaron Gordon played nice defense, but still, it's Kevin Durant just missing shots. And Bick said after Game 2 in Denver, he kind of noticed a difference in the demeanor of Kevin Durant. Maybe like, okay, enough of this trying to blend in stuff. My team's going to need me to, to to shoulder more of the load and maybe put up one of those legendary games that you're talking about. I mean, how possible do you think that, that feels right now? I think it's very possible. I think that he is going to be able to feel out the process here and understand how huge this game is. He knows better than anyone what being down 3-0 would be in this series, and he knows better than anyone the lack of production that they've had elsewhere around him. Now, Denver is going to be even more aggressive defending him and Book, so they've got to be cognizant of that and aware of where their opportunities are going to come. But with that in mind, he's a guy who scores on excellent defense and excellent double teams all the time. Like Aaron Gordon deserves a lot of credit, like I was saying on the other show. But I thought Durant, that was a night where Durant should have scored 40, probably 50. I thought it was going to be one of those nights where he takes 30 or 35 shots. He was kind of getting into that area. But once he didn't really have it going in, it was clear that his rhythm and stuff was off. Booker had to do everything at the end again. But I think that this is going to be one of those nights and specifically where if he gets two or three shots to go, that was the thing. Like you were sitting right next to me, and he just never had those like three or four shots in a row. I think right. there was that one point where I turned you, and I was like, he's finally getting it going here in the fourth quarter when he hit those two shots, and then he missed two in a row, and then it, and then it was oops, he just never got that rhythm going. And, and, and as you pointed out, yeah, he, he, every quarter was the same. He never had a moment when he got it cooking, which was also very equally weird. Um, Josh Okogie did a real uh, good, a much better job than Jamal Murray. At least it appears he did. And going back and reviewing the game, did he up? his level of defense or was it just a bad shooting night from Jamal Murray? He upped his level for sure. I, I like the way that he talked about it at the, at the practice we were at in Denver where he was just like I, I he, he sounded like he was didn't want to get in foul trouble early but he was like hindsight 2020 and all that but if I would rather have two fouls in the first three minutes than let him get comfortable at the start of the game and I really like the way that he phrased it not that he was the primary defender on Murray necessarily but he was the first guy to be guarding Murray and he was the one that let him get in that kind of rhythm earlier we were talking about with Durant for example so I think that he did do a very good job but I also thought the Suns did a better job of designing a game plan to Limit Murray that benefited Akogi as well because Akogi is a really, really good defender. He's probably the best defender overall on the Suns, but he's not going to be in a position to stop Jamal Murray one on one when he's going at that kind of level. And that's probably the biggest adjustment from game two to game three we're going to talk a lot about. And we have been talking a lot about already how the Suns handle it 
without Chris Paul, as that's looking to be the case. But for Denver, their number one thing at the top of the board is going to be how they get Jamal Murray going, and I'm interested to see how they do that on Friday. Kellen Olsen, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. You mentioned it earlier, Suns Game 2 defensive strategy on Jokic was just one-on-one straight up, and he got huge numbers. Uh, but a big picture, 97 points, which should be enough defensively for, for the Suns to win a basketball game. Do you think that remains the primary defensive strategy on Jokic uh, going into Game 3? Yeah, for sure. And I think that the main adjustment that Denver is going to note is that after the first quarter, it was kind of clear that there was a lot of talk after game one about how the Suns were the team not really moving the ball. They were the one with the scores. They were the one ones that were kind of relying on each guy to do their own thing. And after one quarter, it felt that way for the Nuggets just because, again, they're used to throwing Jokic the ball and having him be just as much of a playmaker as a scorer. But if you guard Nikola Jokic one-on-one, he's going to try to be a scorer, as he should. But in the team picture as a whole, it really slowed down their ball movement, their rhythm. And then they just had a couple shots not go in like the Suns, and that affected their rhythm as well. And the sense in the building, Dan can co-sign this for sure, is like by the mid-second quarter, that crowd was ready to erupt, and they were just waiting and waiting yeah. and waiting. And the uh-huh. Suns did a good, such a good job of disrupting their rhythm early that they really couldn't find that flow until those KCP threes at the start of the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. Then Jamal Murray gets a shot to go, I believe, and then that's when they really started to explode. So I, I think that they were in a really good position defensively, and they've got a lot of positives going forward because after the first game, I was like, are we really going to look at the end of the series and say that Denver has been the better, was the better defensive team in the series? Not something we expected. And game two was more along the lines of what we thought we would see. Kellen, great stuff as always. We'll also point to uh, ArizonaSports.com where all of Kev- Kellen's uh, written stuff lives. His podcast with Kevin Zimmerman, The Empire of the Suns. Check it all out. Thanks, Kellen.